Welcome to Coffee and Change. I'm Bill Kirst. As a business professional, a U.S. veteran, a lifelong learner, and an active listener, I help others navigate, understand, and adapt to our ever-changing workplace and world. As a third culture kid, I call many places home. Presently, Seattle is where I explore my creativity through the power of words and images. In this podcast, we journey with our guests, gaining knowledge and inspiration from their stories. Welcome back to part two of this special episode, where we are hearing the story of Brian Kirst and his life-changing ancestry pilgrimage. His journey back home to heal is about to begin, so let's jump right back in and buckle up for some amazing stories. Take a couple breaths because <laughs> this is like recounting this is really like you said you're getting the chills. I'm getting the chills. I'm getting it's so funny. My body remembers that so which is great. So easy, and I get giddy. I got so giddy in the car that night, I got. I was back. like, oh my gosh, oh my god. Like I again chills. I was like, oh my gosh. I've now connect. I've now figured it out. I figured out why the heck for 12 years I've been on this ancestry.com. Why it was such a passion of mine. Why I'm such a researcher. At, well, yeah, because it's bigger now. Right. It's much more of a service. Right. It's I see the service of it. And now. and that and that experience was not likely to come with just another click click. Here's no. a leaf. Click click. Here's no. another census article. Now, to be fair, there were there were <clears> and there <throat> are more things that you have discovered since. Hundred percent. But in its solitude, yeah. Without that other soul work, this experience wouldn't have happened. Right. Okay. If it was not for family constellations, I would still be, oh yeah, I do Ancestry.com. I found some things, you know, here's some records like, oh, here, dad, here's another record. Okay. This took on, because of family constellation, this took on a, I now want to, it's not about me. It's about my entire family soul. Yeah. And that I feel I've always felt, and I'm, I've learned this, is that I've always felt where, where we're missing, where where we're not paying attention, where's trauma. Like, I, and I may not feel it all, but like I feel the inadequate, like the parts, the inadequacies, the missing pieces. Where where are we disconnected as a family? I feel those things, and when I did family constellation, and I saw my tree and the two clicked, I was like, there can be some healing here. Okay. And it's not like I'm a martyr. I'm, like I'm not taking it upon as like a crusader or. To be very clear, I was, again, it goes from researcher into a pilgrimage. You know, I, I could leave the researcher behind 
knowing where I was going, right? Like the ancestry.com got me a location. Okay. And then I could build off that. Now I can kind of leave the researcher and build off of and that from an energy standpoint, from a soul. Become the pilgrim. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. So, so walk us through <laughs> quitting your job, yeah. leaving your apartment. What was next? Like, where did, where did you go? Like what, I mean, you're, yeah. you're, you're, I mean, anyone listening is probably their hearts beating a little bit fast right now because this is, this is a Terrifying. story that's pretty, mm -hmm. that's, that's anchored in some terror mm -hmm. without having to relive it all in mm -hmm. that terror. Mm -hmm. Would you mind sharing some of that and what yeah. that was like and what, what steps you took yeah. amidst, amidst <clears throat> this terror? Um, I, I think the most important thing is to not ignore the terror. I was really, 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 um, and that, this is because my meditation group that I was with and I was really working on this, this was my own soul work, was I didn't want to do my regular routine, which was I'm too terrified to even look at it. So I'm just going to avoid it. I'm going to have a drink. I'm going to you know eat some chocolate. I'm going to watch some Netflix. I'm just going to zone out, right? I needed to, in those moments, I needed to be able to go, let's face it. Yes, it's terrifying. It's scary as hell to leave your apartment, get rid of everything. But there was also this cathartic stripping that really was calling me. It was like this, um, like, I, like if you've ever felt, uh, listeners, if you've ever felt like you just want to get the hell out, like leave it all behind and just go, right? A sense of that is running. Totally understandable. People want to run sometimes. There was an energy of that. I wasn't escaping anything, but I knew I had to strip myself down to the beams. And I and I couldn't strip if I wasn't going to be terrified. I couldn't. I had to constantly say, that's why I gave myself six months. I gave myself six months to leave my job because I needed that time to be able to go, yeah, you're doing this. Yes, you're doing this. You're doing Because in that six months, it's a reminder of the hamster wheel, right? Like I had to keep seeing what it was I was giving up was not working anymore. It was, in fact, it was like suffocating my soul. It was not what I needed to be, to grow bigger, to, to evolve my soul. So don't be, a, do not be afraid of the terror. Like <laughs> lean into it if you can. It's information. It's information because in the terror, there's information of where you should go, right? Like, if it's terrifying, you should probably go lean, lean into it, lean into it and right. see, just see what happens, what comes from it. Right. Um, also not to push like really important thing that I to the preparation was I spent more time uh, about kind of where was I going to go? And I didn't do this for very long. I, I would do it as like a get, like a piece of chocolate, almost like a, like a reward from my hamster wheel life. And when I come home from work and I'd be beat like beaten down and feeling like I can't do this anymore let's look up hotels in Ireland. Right. And I'd give myself that excitement. Like, okay, here's where your answers are. Like, let's build, let's book your first hotel. Right. So you, you almost started building for lack of a better term, a vision board. Yes. So you can, if you can see it, yes. you can do it. And if it's right. And if it becomes just a little pathway, then it becomes like, and I, what was super important is I didn't want it to become this monstrosity, like four doors guide and best place to eat. No, I, no. it was, if I'm going to go there, I need a place to stay and I need a place to get 
to and how to get there. Those are the only the, trains, planes, automobiles, hotels. That's it. That's all I did. There was nothing else that I booked. And I kept it very simple because I wanted it to be about the experience of walking through the pilgrimage as a pilgrim to connect to the family soul. That was the important piece of it. It was just everything else would have been a distraction. Yes. It was totally it. don't care if I take pictures, don't care if I video it. If I do great, I didn't want to call people. I didn't want to text people. I wanted to go off the grid because okay. that's the risk in, in testing my own terror was my natural thing is if I'm terrified of something, I need to call somebody immediately. If I feel like my life is at risk and I'm giving everything up and I'm possibly going to end up homeless, I need to call 500 people that are going to convince me that it won't happen. Right. And then maybe I'll believe you. <laughs> I was terrified. But again, I leaned into it. I gave it, kept it very simple. I revisited the, not the plan. I don't like to call it the plan. I revisited the things that I gave myself permission to, those pieces of chocolate, to give myself the permission of the excitement of what's possible. Just little bit by little bit, just to get myself through the six months. It's very strange I give myself the six months. I just don't know why. I mean, that period of time. Um, but I knew it was for the preparation, but. And, and then, yeah. And then I think the third thing was to not, I didn't want to research. I didn't want the researcher to take over as well. That's really important. To yeah. Hear that you're, I, I was curious about that. So I'd love for you to tell <laughs> more about that because like, that's the part of like the part that's under my rib cage yeah. is that like, so when you get there, <laughs> yeah, like the researcher has almost a new vibrancy. So yeah. how do you not put the researcher in the driver's seat? Well, again, I gave myself permission in the city of Dublin mm -hmm. to do archive research. And that was because that was one opportunity. I, Ireland's very like, everything's in Dublin, right? So, and Dublin didn't have a lot of ancestors. So I wanted to give myself it in the beginning so that I could get it out of the way so that I could really focus on the soul journey. Um, I did, I purposely, when I decided and I started to prepare, I wasn't doing any more deep dives in ancestry.com. I, I, I kind of gave myself the permission. Okay. You've gotten as far as you've gotten, you've gotten the locations. It's okay to kind of look at it from time to time, but like, you don't need to like, if I'm feeling passionate about it, I gave myself permission just to kind of look, but I wasn't like, I need to find this record. I need to like, when I get there, I need to go, you know, directly there and find the periodicals. And I wasn't going to be obsessive because it becomes more about that and less about feeling thing, feeling the process. And it closes down your channel totally closes down the energy yeah. um and it, when i got there eventually when i got to dublin <laughs> everything was so funny it's like every time I, I went into the archives and they're like oh yes i'm so glad that you flew three thousand miles let's go on ancestry.com and i was like i cannot believe this is happening right now. <laughs> so you're telling me hold on a second yeah. i'm totally picturing this <laughs> You land in Dublin, which, yeah. by the way, I want to back up a little bit after this because yeah. I want to hear about like the departure and yeah, like we can't skip over that. Yeah, um, <laughs> but so you're in Dublin. Yeah, you you're, you're literally in your first um, station of mm -hmm. this pilgrimage, and they are so excited you're there, and they say, "Let's pull up Ancestry.com." Yeah. Well, what was going through your body at that moment? Oh, I was so frustrated. I was so frustrated because the whole process to get into the archives is. You have to put your bag in this locker. You have to sign the, all these forms. I had to have my password. It was some deep stuff, right? And I'm thinking, I'm going to find some great stuff, you know? Because uh, it feels like you're almost getting a clearance to go right. through the secret documents. Well, like, and there's documents you can't find online. 
So like for me, I'm thinking if I go to the source, I should be able to get some sort of physical, right? A lot of records were born, burned before 1930, like 1913, 1905. There was a lot of like, and they kept all their records in like a castle and the castle like burned, it was crazy. But uh, I felt very frustrated. I felt the frustration, but the, this was again, a, the practice of the soul work is that I had to be able to lean into it and remind myself that's not the point of this. The point is not to see a record or like, and gain some more information. It's location, soul, walk, right? Yeah. Location, soul, ritual, walk, that type of stuff was really the potent energy. Yeah. Um, but we'll go, we can go. Okay. Back. So sorry. So, no, it's, it's quite all right. It's quite all right. You kind of gave, you gave the first, the first arrival point, yeah. which is Dublin, which, yeah. um, which is an amazing place. Beautiful city. Back up, back up for us a little bit. Cause, cause we did the click it, right? Mm-hmm. We, but the seatbelts clicked and we talked about, is it a car ride? Yes. Is it a plane ride? Yes. Mm-hmm. Clearly. Is it a roller coaster? Yes. So, can you bring can you bring us back to the day you departed? Like yes. day of departure. Day of departure. Like from my apartment or because <laughs> you remember that. Let's do both. Okay. I think it's important okay. to do day of departure yeah. from your abode, from yes. your home, right? Because yes. home, when people make a home, yeah, a, a lot of the energy you're talking about goes into it. So so leaving that mm-hmm. is 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 part of this. Mm-hmm. And then the other part is getting on the actual jetliner that takes yes. you into the heavens and beyond. So start with the leaving the apartment mm-hmm. departure, and then let's talk about the departure from in a more in a more um, modern sense yeah. from an airport. Um, sheer terror. <laughs> I called you uh, the night before, and I was I I was talking. I was like, you need like I I can't I can't do this. This is so the night before you're about to leave. I was I was requ- I was questioning you're everything. Questioning I was everything. questioning everything because I was about to jump off the cliff where. I was not going to have a home. Everything was going to be in storage. My apartment was literally 90% packed up. Everywhere I looked, there was boxes. My mattress was on the floor. I mean, the gun was loaded. (laughs) There's no turning back. Like, I had not resigned my lease. Reality was setting in. Mm -hmm. And I reached out to you and I was like, "I I must be insane. I must be crazy that I'm going to walk away from this perfectly fine. Like, again, I'm, I'm rationalizing in my head because... For me, I'm I'm now putting to question what is safety, what is protection, what is success, what are you going, what what did you do, what did you give up? All those things start to roll, and again, leaning into it, and thank Phil for your help was to remember the bigger picture, like to really pull out. I mean, it was lonely too. It was very very lonely. I. I was very alone, but it, that was, again, the biggest part of the pilgrimage is you are alone. And I needed to be alone. I needed to feel stripped, again, stripped to the bit, to the bone, like of not having all these things to fall on that I would make me feel safe. Safety was my number one priority for like an ego standpoint was I could not go anywhere without my safety. And at the first time in my life, I was choosing to strip all safety and literally set out into the horizon. Um, and my stuff was packed the next day. My ex-boyfriend picked it all up. We put it in storage. And then, you know, I stayed with you until I left. And when the jetliner experience was really tough, too, because I have this huge fear of flying. So I'm at San Francisco International Airport, you know, an hour before boarding. And I, and I call you again. <laughs> And I'm like, 
I, I, what am I doing? Like, what am I going to do when I get, and, and it, again, it's, I have to allow these questions to take place. The process of being stripped in of the bone is that every single one of these experiences of terror and what I'm thinking and how it's happening, I have to think, I have to let it flow through me. I have to let it have its process of starting and finishing because otherwise I'm bringing it with me. And that was super important. I cannot bring all of this madness. I mean, part of it, you know, comes with you and you kind of work it through the pilgrimage. But um, I was deathly afraid that it was just all going to be over. Like that this was it. I was never going to return. That in in a mental, it was weird. There was like this idea that, that I was never going to recover from this, that, that I had made this huge decision and that, I had left a 12-year career and I left a perfectly expensive apartment, but this comfortable, safe lifestyle. And I had nothing. And was there was there also a tinge of how am I going to make this successful? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, there was a sense of, you know, how am I going to go, how am I going to come home? Like, I have to tell people that I did something worth doing and it's interesting that that occurs that happens in our brain before we've even taken the first step it was happening in the apartment when i was packing up (laughs) and and in some sense that that has the ability to take you hostage 100 before you're even on your trip and that's why you have to lean into it and you have to really it for me it was i had to pause and i had it's almost like in a it's a grief i had to grieve the loss of all of this, like the fact that I was choosing to strip everything down, I had to grieve. I had to grieve each time that my my brain was like, hold on, wait, 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 stop. You're doing what? I had to go, oh, you poor thing. Oh, oh, you poor thing. Let's just sob right now. Like, let's just really fall on the floor, you know, punch the floor, punch the wall, whatever it is, and just let, get it out. Because I was doing something completely opposite of fight. Like my fight or flight was going to try to take me into a safe life. I was like, no. Yeah. It hasn't helped. It hasn't helped me. All it's done is keep me in a place where I don't hear my soul. I don't want it. Right. And it was a huge risk. Yeah. So that's not to be under understated at all. Um, walk us through the flight a little bit. Yeah. So that first flight, I imagine like any traveler, like mm-hmm. anyone on a pilgrimage as well, would probably be thinking about, okay, the logistics once I get there. But mm-hmm. what was some of the and I'm going to be very intentional with my words here. What was some of the headspace that yeah. occurred to you? And what was some of the heart space that occurred to you? If you recall yeah. on the first journey over, and this would have been from San Francisco to, to Dublin. Dublin. I was, um, there was, obviously there was fear, but uh, uh, when I checked in with my heart, the interesting thing about my heart was, I didn't, it's like, it's like when I checked in my heart, I, there was no like, there was no like um, resistance. There was no, it, it wasn't, my heart wasn't saying it was wrong. There was not like it. In fact, there felt like an opening every time I thought about, Oh my gosh, I'm going to be in Ireland. I'm going to be doing what I've set out to do. Then there was the breath. Then I could, then I was like, okay, I've got like, yeah, there's something past the departure. That's the thing. And, and like in my book that I'm writing, like I write days before the departure, like, and I talk about how many days before departure and how many days first, because that's really the, like that process in itself is so clenching and you have to lean into that too. And so, um, but I kept thinking about the experience 
of connection. That was what kept coming back to me all the time is that seatbelt moment is that every time that like even while taxiing on the plane, taking off, flying over California, the sun setting, all the stuff that symbolized ending, like the sun going down and it being dark outside in the plane, like though that was always a fear of mine with flying is that being outside at night in the dark, it feels like such finality. It's a void. The sun will never come up again is what it feels like, right? That was almost a goodbye to like... This view. is done. Like it's, you know, like yeah, yeah you're underway. You're underway, and yes, the sun will come up again. And I'm telling you, when we started to send in Ireland, I was like, I had the biggest smile. I could cry. I had the biggest smile on my face. The green colors of coming in. I haven't been to Ireland since we were kids. I was just mesmerized. I was completely mesmerized, um, and totally in once that sun came up i was like reborn there was a rebirth there's something about the sun going down and coming up with flying for me um and then i almost didn't get into the country that was <laughs> do tell i'm well, like i'm all in this so emotion <laughs> and then i can imagine you're you know you're having the emotion yeah. the elation the tears I'm like, yes I'm the like ancestral energy and then yeah. what <laughs> and then i get to passport control and it's this really rude woman and she was like what are you here for and i'm like Oh my God, this woman is not going to let me in this country. And she's like, what are you doing here? And I'm like, I'm on an ancestry pilgrimage. And she looks at me like, you've got to be kidding me. I'm like, she's like, yeah, where are you going? I said, Dublin, um, Thurlis, Tarlis. And I was like, oh yes, Tarlis. And then she, uh, and I was like, and I'm going to a tra- trolley. She trolley, we don't have a trolley here. I was like, okay. And she was like, do you have a job where you're from? And that's where I panicked. I, but I did very well. I, I was like, um, yes, I'm a manager. And I, even though I just quit my job and I don't, I don't have a job, that's where I thought I wasn't going to get in. I was like, if I look like I'm lying, could they like toss me? But yeah, I got through that part. And then I was like, okay, I'm here. And I had to like really ground in Dublin, which was really tough because it's a bit major city. And I was feeling a lot, I was feeling a lot of the energy of the city because I was open at this point. I had just committed. The sun had come up. I had been reborn and being reborn feel, you feel everything in the beginning of that stage. The first time. Yeah. Landing and being reborn into a city like Dublin. And mind you, I had quit drinking. So I'm in this city. I'm in Stevens Green, which is like literally party central. (laughs) All these people drinking. And I'm thinking, God, I would love a drink right now. I was fighting it like crazy. But again, that was a part of the whole strip it down, strip everything down, like be alone in the hotel room. Don't numb the feelings. Don't go to, don't go to a pub. I, my first restaurant I went to was an Italian restaurant. <laughs> that was like probably the size of this room. And I was reading my Anakara book. Mm-hmm. So, so talk to, I was, I was, you, you took this exactly where I wanted to okay. go, <laughs> which is John O'Donoghue. Yes. So, um, those listening may know of John O'Donohue, um, some may not. So you had mentioned Anamkara, which yeah. is, I believe was his first book. Yeah. Um, which <clears throat> translated in Gaelic means soul friend. Yeah. Um, talk to us a little bit about John O'Donohue. And if I may be so presumptuous yes, to say, can you talk about how he was a companion for you? Oh, God, was he a companion? Yeah, I think that the first book that I read of his was, I'm totally going to forget the name of it. It was Celtic, what's it called? Sorry, I'm totally going to forget it. Celtic Blessing? No. Uh, No, it was, um, I can see the the thing. Um, 
it, the, the basically it was the Celtic spirit, really. It was like Celtic, um, the the Celtic soul, really, mm-hmm. is what. Um, it was how he wrote things that really spoke to me. The he had such a softness. I what the way that I can describe the way that he writes is very companionship, soul friend, like you're saying. He connects you. I really think he connects you through soul language, um, and there's that Irish connection that we have. Like I'm 80% Irish in my DNA, so the way that you not even just how he speaks, but like he's he's such a soft writing that it's just like curling up with a great blanket on a very rainy day, and just it, he was kind of my feeling safe in in what my pursuit was. It was like every time I read him, he gave me permission to keep moving forward in this, that six month period. Like I read a lot of his work. Um, his Anamkara book specifically really helped me through Ireland and Germany. Um, because every time I would read a chapter, it was like exactly on point where I was. Like, and it's another thing about John O'Donoghue is like, you pick up the book and it's like exactly what you need to hear right at the right time. Um, I wish I could have seen where he was buried, but you know, he just has that ability to, to just soften your soul. And, and he, he's a definitely a pilgrimage friend Mm -hmm. for sure. So you had mentioned, obviously you took books with you on, Mm -hmm. um, on this pilgrimage. And I want to back up to something you said. Oh, so slightly people might've missed it. You're writing a book. Yes. I am writing a book. You're writing a book about this. Yes. Um, can you tell us the name of the book yes. and start talking a little bit about the book? Yeah. Because this is not this is an incredible story already. And we're only <laughs> we're only not even past Dublin. <laughs> we're just yeah. we're still in Dublin. Yeah, and, we're you've still had, and you've had one meal <laughs> Had one meal, but an, an Italian meal. But right. but zoom out for a little yeah. bit and just mention the book you're writing, mm-hmm. what it's called. And then I'm, I'm sure we'll get back into it yeah. as we kind of progress because this is, this is kind of an accompaniment to it. Yeah. So, um, so the intent to write the book was I was going, I, uh, once I committed to the leaving the job, leaving and stripping everything down and I was, and I, once I started booking everything, um, I was going to, uh, once I started packing or the day somewhere around that point, I was going to start writing and I was going to start writing journal entry form of like, you know, 15 days of departure or 10 days of departure. Right. And really kind of the feeling of the, of the stripping it down. Um, my intent was to write a book about the pilgrimage, but I started it before because I really wanted there to be kind of like an essence of that portion of what we were all just talked about. Um, the title of the book is called Four Stones and Ancestry Pilgrimage. The reason it's four stones is that bef- when the seatbelt clicked, <laughs> I had another visit up to uh, Bellingham before I left where I knew I wanted to live in Bellingham, Washington. Um, my, uh, wonderful aunt Marguerite is from there and she's introduced me to a lot of people who introduced me to family constellations. I picked four stones from Bellingham Bay. So this beautiful Boulevard park beach and, um, those four stones, I didn't know what I was going to do with them. I just had picked four stones and I was like, I'm going to bring them with me. Right. And while I was on the process of just about to leave, I counted the stones and then I counted how many cities I was going to and there were four. And I was like, this is a little surreal. <laughs> like four location, like Dublin was the first one, right? So the initiation, the beginning, and then the three, so the Flemings was the second, and then the Grannies, the third, and then the Curse was the fourth. And I even pulled them out on the plane and was like, okay, this is happening. 
which is another reminder. So the book... And it's also the four branches of our family. Correct. Well, yeah, and it's not exact... I mean, I picked... Because we're mostly Irish, but there was... Uh, yeah, so like mom's side, dad's side, but splintered dad and mom, and then just mom's dad's side. Okay. But Because otherwise it would have gone... Right. To go to Galway, and I don't know. It's crazy. Um, so, and it was her maiden name, so that's mm -hmm. why I picked that. Um, let's see. So the book does that journal entry position and then it's each stone is a, the portion. So the first stone is the initiation in Dublin. It's talking about the process of me really being in this kind of rebirth of like, oh my gosh, I'm beginning this. And then the stories kind of intertwine of my life. So I begin talking about, you know, where I grew up, um, where my parents are from, kind of building the kind of the initiation or the initial family my story of moving to poland you know uh so it has a memoir a memoir aspect it's, to it yeah well. it's totally a memoir um and then so the stones so the first stone being of my my father's mother's side i talk about her life my dad has written this beautiful thing about all of the information about her and and i i talk about ritual of that i do in the locations in those initiations, I talk about kind of family members. I talk about family members that have passed. So like with the grannies, for example, the third stone, um, the great grandparents that died in the flood, um, honoring them and how they died. And my grandfather being an only child and honoring through the Cary coastline. I walked 16 miles up along the coast, you know, back around eight miles there, eight miles back, saying every single grainy name with each footstep. Hold on. <laughs> I got to pause there so people can hear this and, and <clears throat> picture this. I want to, I want to recount this. You walked 16 miles along trip. Yeah. the coast of Kerry. Mm -hmm. The entire time you were saying aloud the names of our Irish ancestors mm -hmm. with each step you took. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Cause I really wanted there to be, well, if you think about it, we left in like the 1800s. So um, I I don't have very many people to ask about what's true, what's not. I have some records to tell me exactly that we're from there. But um, I wanted there to be a uh, revisit. I, obviously, I'm going back there in physical form. I have the DNA of half my father, half my mother. And that DNA has not been reinduced, reintroduced into the soil of that part of the world that we left from. And those names, when I recite those names, it's honoring those people that are connected to that soil, right? It's like, if you've ever, like you and I go to Capstrano Beach and we're like, this feels so connected, like, cause it reminds us of our grandparents, right? It's like got a strong memory. There are things that we remember in our soul. We don't have a picture, a thought, anything, but something happens when we get to Ireland, right? Something mm -hmm. happens. Absolutely. We don't know what it is or what, right. but there's something there. That's what I was trying to ignite and thread through to current living grannies. Right. It's like when you say names, it's really powerful because it ignites the energy. And then the location is super important too, because obviously we're from that place and that last name of grainy is huge there. Like it's not huge like everybody's speaking, but it's huge because it came from there. It's very Irish. It's from that location. So it's the walking is the pilgrimage i'm carrying ancestors with me it's it's another way that name why names are recited is that i am not just doing this for me 
I'm doing this for all of us. I was very clear from that from beginning with myself when the seatbelt clicked was this was not going to be about me. Like I had done me through the researcher. <laughs> the researcher was all me. That was all like, I'm going to get this answers and I'm going to show my family. And I had done that several times, but this was now a bigger service. And each name, it's funny where I stumbled, like I would forget and I, but it would just let it keep going. Like wasn't in order. It was whoever popped up, right? Like, you know, Edward Michael Graney, you know, um, Mary Cavanaugh Graney. And then I would go through and then I'd, I'd think about families and I'd say their, their names, like our cousins, their children. Like I just kept going and then I would recite and recite until I could not walk any further. I literally got to a, like a barge, like a wall that was like not walkable. And I just journaled and I poet, I wrote poetry and just let things flow out of me. And it was, I have never felt more present anywhere in the world other that coastline. And it literally was across from Dingle. Like I could see Dingle on <laughs> Dingle Peninsula. Is it is it accurate to <clears throat> if is it appropriate or accurate for me to ask the question or wonder about did it feel like a conversation with the land? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, and it, what was really important is is the, the ritual, uh, a lot of times like Native American ritual is if you take something, you have to give something back, right? So I was almost thinking like that, where I can't just walk on the land and be like, hey guys, what's up, right? For me, introducing myself back into land is putting my blood into the soil. It's a, it's a reigniting of remembering, but it's also like, this is this is where I'm from, this is where our family is from, but this land itself is it, I'm acknowledging that too, right? There's a power and an energy that is that is so much, like I don't even understand half of it. Like honestly, there's so much energy that is healing on that coast um, that I knew that could be a vessel to help when I spoke each name. It's like I was, give, I was asking for permission for the land while I was saying the names for the land to help me with the healing or like to open healing. Specifically in the Grainy family, it's, it, there's a lot of us. So a lot of different things going on, a lot of different stories, a lot of different trauma. And I knew that I wanted to open some of that just to let it move, like to let some of the energy move. And what's so great about that land is there's a lot of movement. There's a lot of wind, there's a lot of water that goes in and out of that bay. Like tidal. there's a lot of like, there's movement there, right? And although it looks very stale and like windblown and things are very like rock statue-like at times when you look at it, it's not at all. It's got a soul that moves. It's very clear on how it cleans out and, you know, holds itself and holds others. It holds me. It held me through I've no, eight miles. Around, I mean, are you eight miles one way, eight miles back. I was like, what am I doing? <laughs> you know? And I think it's, I think it's really unique how you called it a vessel mm -hmm. and then you also said healing mm -hmm. which in in many ways gives the imagery of sort of setting the boats adrift right and what i think is really powerful about that just from a celtic and irish ancestry is we think about the stories we've heard about when people left yeah. um they left on vessels that's it yeah. they also left knowing they were not going to come back and the question always remains is what did they leave behind? That's, and that's where we look at trauma. You know, I mean, 
today's trauma is not today's trauma. It's not developed. It's to, I have a very strong opinion about this and apparently I like it, but trauma, yes, has been told that it's passed down. Ancestrally, there's so many things that we, that is not of us. It's not our fault. We didn't create it. We didn't take it, but we let things die. We let people die. Their memories die, but we let their, the trauma that they never told us die too but we still carry it. So if I can go back to a location, knowing that famine, people's houses being taken from them, uh, immigration, immigration out, like people getting on boats, having nothing, selling everything, whatever it was. Persecution. Maybe I don't know any of that, but if I can acknowledge that something was cut off, what energy can that move? Boy, did we see some things move. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. So, so another podcast. Yeah. <laughs> so, so keep going. So, yeah. okay. This is like the, so, so then you did, you, you're on the West, you're on the, the Cary coast. Yeah. Um, and I did the middle that, so quickly, just my dad's yeah. mother Fleming's, I couldn't get to the town of Johnstown. This is the funny part. You're going to, I booked this trip the weekend of Easter, like Sunday, like, I think I called you and I was like, I'm such an idiot. Like, I'm not going to be able to get a bus, a train. Thank God the trains were still running, like the actual national trains. Johnstown is in the middle of Kilkenny. Like, it's, I can't get there. I have to have a car. I contacted Johnstown heritage people that we have a book from. And I emailed this woman. Oh, it's so glad you're going to be there. And I was like, oh, yeah, I'm going to take a bus. And she's like, a bus? She's like, no, no, no. And I got an email as I was arriving in Dublin. She wanted to pick me up at the train station and take me to the town. Hang on a second. <laughs> Hold the phone, ladies and gentlemen. You're telling me that you emailed a woman mm-hmm. who worked in the Johnstown Heritage Center. Group. Yeah, the, the people that do the heritage book. Right. Yeah. And and explained to her when you were supposed to come. I was going to take a bus. And you were just going to take a bus. <laughs> Which wasn't running because it was Easter. Because it was Easter. And anybody knows the... the Friday's Good Friday. Good Friday. Closed. Yes. Saturday. Right. And I got there on like Friday. I right. Think I got there so Friday naturally, weekend. things would be closed over the Good Friday Easter weekend in Ireland, a mm-hmm. very Catholic country. But I want to get back to what I think you, I just heard you said. You're telling me that the woman who you sent an email to... Who I didn't know. Who you did not know, never met her, mm-hmm. had emailed you back... To say, no, don't even think about taking a bus or a train. Mm-hmm. Allow me to come pick you up yeah. and bring you to Johnstown. 100%. And she said, I would love to show you the town. Um, and, you know, you can tell me sometimes, you can tell me about your family. And I was like, okay, sure. So I get off the train. Cutest little woman. She's so cute. She's thick Irish accent. She's like, oh, it's so great to have you here. And she's driving me, she drives me to Johnstown. We see that, now we had been to Johnstown as kids. I totally didn't appreciate it this time i'm like big eyes like i can't believe i'm here this is amazing saw the original house that the flemings lived in the church that they were baptizing she brought me into the church showed me a whole bunch of stuff then she took me to breakfast we had scones and tea i don't know this woman that's the thing i didn't know i emailed her twice do you think the ancestors are doing Uh, work there yes yes that was so shot in the dark because i had decided to email her like maybe two weeks before i was going like this was not very much notice. Like, and what I think is really interesting about the way you described it is you in your researcher mind said, mm-hmm. Oh, I'll just take a bus or whatever. Yeah, I'll, like, just, like, I'll, figure it out. I'll just, I'll figure it out. Right. I'll research it out. <laughs> and the world said to you, yeah, right. I think not. <laughs> exactly. They're I like, think this is so you can do that, but mm-hmm, the ancestors have a different plan. Yeah. Fascinating. Yeah. Okay. And then it happened again because in Chile, like to get it right, because otherwise I get in trouble with the customs on that. Um, in Tralee, 
I was my last day. First of all, that was Easter Sunday. I was leaving on Easter Monday. So Easter Sunday, everything was closed. No bus to Makina, which was the town in Kerry that uh, Granny is from. And I was like, okay, I'd just done my walk. I'd come back. I was exhausted. Went to the room. I was like, I'm going to go down to the hotel for dinner. Nobody was there in the hotel. There was probably eight tables. I was the only one sitting. I had my Anamkara book. And this couple comes in. They sit on the far side of the eight tables. And the the wife is looking at me. Like, she keeps looking up and look, looking away and looking up and looking. I'm like, I'm just reading my book. Like, you know. And so all of a sudden, she is like, we can't sit here. And I, I hear her saying, like, we can't sit here. She says, it doesn't feel right. So they move all the way over to the next table next to me. And I'm thinking, okay, this is when I was like, okay, ancestors. I, I Okay. And she's talking to me and I'm telling her about my, you know, ancestry pilgrimage. And the husband is like furiously on his phone, like calling people. He's just like, blah, blah, blah. and I, I don't know what he's doing because I'm so focused on her. And so she's like, it's so great that you're here. And it's, we just got back from Poland seeing our son. And, and I was like, okay. And he's like, hold on a second. What are you doing after dinner? And I'm like, I'm nothing. Why? And he's like, we're going to take you to all the towns that you weren't going to be able to see. I said, hold on a second, what? And he's like, I just called a friend. We know where uh, Makina is. We're going to, obviously we know where it is. And we're going to take you there. We're going to take you to the cemetery so we can see, find a grainy grave. We're going to show you whatever we can show you. I mean, I, I was totally late. I was. I have chills. I know, I was totally late. I didn't know these people. I literally spoke to them for like maybe 20 minutes. I was eating a huge meal. By the way, the portions in Ireland are massive. I don't know. I must've eaten so many carbs. And I go up to my room and I'm like, I'm like freaking out. Like, I'm like, I can't believe I would be vibrating. I couldn't, I was shocked. I got so nervous. I almost got in like, cause it's on the other side, you know, the the driver. I almost got into the driver's seat. He laughed so hard. He goes, do you want to drive? And I was like, no, no, I'm sorry. I was like so used to being on the other side. So yeah, he takes us to the town of Makina. We're going down this dirt driveway and he's like there's a, there's a grainy here somewhere there's grainy i know there's a grainy here somewhere i'm like okay and he rolls down the woman to ask this farmer this farmer one uh any grainies here and she's like uh, grainy mm, yeah oh yes uh there's an old house just down the way uh a mickey grainy used to live there and he's and he's like any grainy will do now like i mean they, they were just having this full-blown I would, and th- this house that was abandoned used to be owned by a Mickey Granny. I mean, of all, it could have been William, it could have been Sam, it could have been whatever. Mickey, like Michael, our ancestor, Michael Granny, right? Michael Joseph Granny. Um, and then they took me to the cemetery, the local Valley Duff Cemetery, traipsed every stone with me. They walked through every, trying to find, they split up. You go that way, you go that way, we'll try to find it. We all came to the center. Last grave was Granny. It had about, 10 or 11 grainy ancestors on it. Okay. <laughs> I'm just going to stop and I know, name, name a few things here just to unpack mm-hmm. for the listeners. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to start with the three. You all three went in three <clears throat> different directions. Mm-hmm. In a cemetery. In a cemetery. And when you came back together, like, okay, here, you basically had arrived at the Trinity. Yeah. So it's like three people. I mean, there's there's a lot of symbolism. There's a lot there, of symbol. Yeah. Which, which I don't want to, like, just overshoot. <clears throat> mm-hmm. um, and you're where you met you're you you look down and and basically that's the 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 entire yeah because in ireland the the family owns the plot until they're they're no longer you know and so there had just been a death in like 08 or something okay so it continued along it continued to be the plot 
And the other thing I find interesting based on what you said before, which I hadn't really realized until you started re recounting it, is the naming of the ancestors mm -hmm. is now not being done just by you. Right. But it's being done by this beautiful couple yeah. who felt compelled to yeah. move to a table closer to you that started the conversation that got you in the car that uh -huh. got you. And now, and now there are three people naming the ancestors and saying, mm -hmm. help us find a connection. Help us acknowledge. Help us acknowledge. Help us, help us, help witness. us witness. Help us say their names. I mean, there was no question. Even the, the farmer was like repeating yeah. the name oh, back. Yes. Mickey Grainy. Yeah. They, it's such a powerful nod to the fact that ancestors were pushing these people in my direction. Right. And I was saying on the walk, on the walk up there, I said, you know what? I'm not going to be able to see the towns. And if I'm not meant to see the towns, you guys will take care of it. And mm -hmm. sure enough, an hour later, wow. wham, I am. Wow. They took me all the way out to Fennet, which is the beautiful end of where I was going to walk to. They took me to the lighthouse. They, I mean, I have their email. We, they're wow. super lovely people. Wow. Yeah. It, it, wow. I, I did not plan. Remember, cause I stripped it all down. Yeah. I did not plan the bus because I was like, oh, I'll just figure out. Oh, the bus runs. Yeah. The schedule. I didn't care about all that because I didn't want it to be this whole, mm, am I going to timing? Am right, I going to like an itinerary? No. no. And look what just rolls about like, an email and some random couple. So in a matter of days, the whole thing transformed without me wow. doing anything. Right. And and that's the other piece, which I, which I think is really important is you resisted yeah. the urge to turn it into an itinerary. Yes. I think it's really important that people hear this yeah. when you're doing a pilgrimage, when you're doing let ancestral walking, let it happen. The way will show you the way. Yeah. You don't have to worry where the bus is. You don't have to worry where, and when the plane, you just have to show up, wow. show up and like literally just walk. Like I went on walks every day. Mm -hmm. I walked through, and I would talk to them. That's yeah. the other thing. I talked to the ancestors all the time. I was like, okay, I'm here and I'm, I'm feeling and, and here, here's what, just like with family constellation, what's coming up for you? I was saying, this is what I'm feeling. This is what I'm, and this ancestor keeps coming to my head and I just want to acknowledge you. And like, it's just this, that's the whole thing about pilgrimage too, is it's the conversation, not only with your own soul, with the land, but the, the land and the family soul, right? right? Like, the intention of that's huge. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so now wow. we're finished with Ireland. Okay. So now we're finished with Ireland. I mean, what else is there to do? In and Ireland? there tend to turn out to be a direct flight from Kerry Airport to Frankfurt Hahn, which is exactly where I needed to be on on Ryanair. <laughs> so it's like the day after Easter. I was like, yeah. <laughs> which it couldn't have been more perfect. I okay. mean. So you take the flight, easy jet. I can't you take the flight that, that probably shouldn't have exist, existed that just happened to exist. Yeah. It's just like, okay. To your next, to Germany, to your next waypoint, if you will. And I'm already on a high, like, I'm oh, well, like, I imagine, is, I mean, the, a trip could end and I'd be, you totally probably could have flown yourself totally in on your own energy. I was so elated, but <laughs> you didn't need to yeah. get on a plane. Mm -hmm. So you now land in Germany. Germany's a whole different story. <laughs> Germany's a whole different story. The Germans are Boy, not the Irish. <laughs> I come, I can picture this. So I land and I'm like, I get into my rental car. I've never driven in Germany, by the way. So this is a whole, like, I, I'm i like super excited. And I'm driving, I write this in the book and I'm like, I'm driving down the road. I'm like, okay, we got it. Yeah, we're doing it. We're driving down the road. I'm doing the speed limit. I'm like, I wonder how he would say this in German. I wonder how he'd say, like, I've learned German, right? So I'm like, how would I say like second time's great grandfather? 
<laughs> These are the types of things I'm thinking, right? I'm that like, would be a very long journey. Yeah, I'm like, it's what's my ghost poppy or something like that. <laughs> I, I had no idea, but I was just like getting in. I was like, this is so awesome. I'm driving in Germany. I actually like screamed like in the car. I was like, I'm driving in Germany. This is insane. Like this is, I, I can't believe this is happening. What a complete shift from complete the shift. person who saw the sun go down. Yeah, on the and thought it would coast. never come up again. Yeah. Right. Talk about ego getting in the way or whatever it is. And uh, yeah, so I'm driving and I and I uh, remember I had only booked a hotel, the hotels and rental cars. That was it. <laughs> the hotel that I, because I didn't want to drive through the night to the final destination. So I, I <laughs> this hotel, it's in a town called Thalfang and it is a old train station converted into a hotel. And I, it looks amazing. Like I was like, this is so cool. So I pull out to it. And I'm like, again, I'm coming off Ireland energy. So I'm like, what else is going to happen? Come on, ancestors. And I walk into that hotel and it was like, you could hear a pin drop. Like the energy was not the same. The Germans, I had totally forgotten. I had gotten swept up with the Irish, like the hospitality and the movement. And I was like, this is my speed. And then I get into the hotel and it's like, and the very very direct and i try to get into german and you know they kick into english you know they're not having it with me and i'm like and so my energy is starting to kind of like be affected and i'm like oh gosh this is and i get into my room and i go down for dinner and i'm like reading my anokara book and i look up and there's about like 15 local germans that are just like staring at me it's like so so crazy they were like who is this person and what is he reading like they, i was totally not a normal like and this is a small town not near any large city you were a foreigner total foreigner pilgrim Pil total pilgrim I totally i had the backpack on the edge of a stick i mean it was, it was so weird and i i got a real dose of reminder living in germany like oh brian you have to shift gears Oh, you like you don't have to you don't have to get anything up, but like this is not Ireland. Like you need to shift gears. I needed to reconnect, and that's hard because my German DNA is not much. It's very low, and so that was really tough. It's interesting you talk about that. Like again, this goes back to the power of place and the acknowledgement of needing. Well, the acknowledgement of realizing, oh, I need to make a shift here. Yeah, and also you said you know, 80 plus percent of you is Irish. Yeah. And the remainder is German. So already you're dealing with a smaller amount. Yeah. You, it's almost, it's not fair to compare. Right. So distant. So distant. Yeah. And you're not going to vibrate as much. And yeah. frankly, they're a different, totally, they're different people. Totally they're a different, different culture, totally different language. So keep going. I just wanted so, to, I wanted yeah, to, it's a good point. Like name that. Cause as you described it, it just became very clear to me. It was like a, it was like a numbers thing. Yeah. I was like, well, you don't have an, you don't have 80% of a well to draw from. And, and keep in mind this side of the family, super quiet, this side of the family, not going to know a lot disconnection all over the place. People cut each other out. People like, I don't speak to this person. We don't, we separate. We're not. And immediately you're feeling Imme that. immediately. Right. And so, whoa, did I have to like, okay, Brian, give yourself some time here. Like you've cut, you've come from a really elated experience. Let's like, let's come down and try to re like, try to connect with what's going on here. There was a lot of fear that came up with, am I going to be able to like, am I going to be able to do this? That's the other thing. Now I know that that, that feeling 
came so randomly in so quickly that I knew that I was dealing with not just my own fear, but like ancestral, questionative, questioning fear. Why are you here? That type of thing. And I thought, God, that's so interesting because that totally feels like the energy of I don't know my ancestry, but the culture and the land, right? So, so very different experience, <clears throat> Ireland to Germany. Totally because Ireland, you arrive and people are elated yeah. that that you're there. Mm-hmm. Like they are, they are thanking <clears> you <throat> for coming there to stick your fingers in the soil, yes. for lack of a better. And way they're so excited when Americans come to right. reconnect with their right. ancestry. I mean, on this level, they've never heard of them. Right, Germany, that would not be the first. Sensation that would come to them. No, when I tried to explain to the woman at the hotel that I was doing an ancestry pilgrimage, she was like kind of confused. She was like, "Oh, okay, like no connection <laughs> whatsoever." I was expecting that. I mean, it it's not German. German people are not, you know, let's dig into the past and try to like find. I mean, there were some people I came across that were ancestry researchers and stuff like that. The energy in Germany kicked me into more of a researcher. That was the interesting part. That makes part. sense. It kicked me way. I was very like, organized. I was like, very analytical. I kind of need my researcher back a little bit here. I was like, You're like, oh, I hope I, I didn't like, leave him. Uh, I hope I didn't leave yeah, him. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> like, I'm like, please. So uh, that I'm there. It was really weird, strange. Your researcher is still back in Ireland yeah. waiting for the bus. <laughs> I'm like, exactly. Like, what's going on here? Amazing meal, schnitzel. You know. Uh, zero alcohol beer, which I found everywhere, which was amazing. And the next morning, this was so funny. The next morning, I'm like, all right, let's go to a cemetery. I was like, immediately, I was like, I'm getting up and I'm going to the cemetery. Because when I drove in, I was like, oh, there's a cemetery at the Alfong Cemetery. I'm like, I'm going to check. I was like, that was the first thing that zinged to me in the morning was like, go check the cemetery. So I drive up to the cemetery park. I walk in, I'm like, I don't know how I'm going to do this in German because I don't know a lot of words about you know, Grabstein, which is like the the um, gravestone. But <laughs> I'm like, here we go. So I walk up to the woman. There's some woman like watering uh, a grave in German. Bitte schön. Um, darf ich eine Frage? So I was like, um, hello, can I ask you a question? Yeah, yeah. And I said, uh, woher kann ich finden die uh, Grabstein von Kirst? Which is, where can I find the gravestone of Kirst? without even a hesitation. Ah, yeah, come Smith. Literally, oh yes, come with me, I'll show you. I, my blood pressure just, I was like, first of all, there's probably one ancestor in my research that was living in this town, it's from the 1600s. Like, I mean, I was like, wait, what? There's a curse here? I turned the corner with her. Yeah, das ist der Kirst, der Kapstein, that's the curse, uh, gravestone, Carl Kirst. Now, I don't know what the chances are, but that was the ancestor that was pulling me so greatly that committed suicide and that whole thing. His same, he, he, he died a year before our grandpa died. So he could have been cousins like six times. It could be my six times, seven times cousin, whatever. Um, but he was born in 1913, died in 1998. Grandpa was born in 1915, died in 1999. I mean, I thought it was just like, wow. And there was something that pulled me to that, to that graveyard to be like, this is going to be a lot more researcher, which like just kick into gear here, <laughs> like, you know, ask the questions and what's well, amazing, right? You ask the questions <sighs> and you let it go. And I listen and I hear, I feel, right, right. I feel it like, and, and, and sometimes mm-hmm. those answers are, Oh, sure. Come with me. It's mm-hmm. right here. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. And then it gets crazier. I drive through all these towns. Tsush um, uh, was one of the towns that uh, our three times great grandfather was born was born in, but then he moved to Solisvok. So I ended up. So the, the road follows basically all these towns, and I was able to take take pictures, see some things. I wasn't able to do research there, but it was just kind of like being in those towns. I mean, we're going back to the 1600s. I never thought I got would get that far. So I'm just kind of being in the spaces, honoring, just saying, you know, little rituals, and then. I get into the local town and I'm like, I've got to figure out a way to get into like the archive research place because I don't know where the heck to start here. Like I kept researching online. It's very hard. They hide stuff. Like it's not, so I'm like getting lost like crazy. I like, I pull over to ask like five people. I finally find the building. It is like a nothing. Like it, you wouldn't even guess. There's no signage, no nothing. I ring the bell. Yeah. And it's like, I'm trying my broken drum. I'm trying to do, you know, um, record research, whatever. Bzz, the door just buzzes in. I don't know where I'm going. It's in this, it's in this massive building with staircase rooms, random rooms. I mean, it's crazy. This guy just starts yelling like, hello, hello. And I'm like, I find his voice in the thing. He's like, are you here for the, for the records? And I said, yeah. I'm, and so I follow him. We're into this records room. There's like three people doing record, like ancestry research. Of which, which are you looking for? And I said, uh, the cursed. Ah, yeah. So, um, what's the name you put on this form, and then um, you can pay, and I go get record for you. And I was like, okay, fine. So I, <laughs> as I'm waiting for the record, um, I'm like looking at all the stuff from, I and mean, they have stuff from way back, 1600s, kind of cool. He comes back and he's like, um this is not possible because um, everything that you ask for has been uh, ruined by mold. <laughs> I was like, what? Are you kidding me? Um, yes, you have traveled 3,000 miles, have come a long way, and this is not possible. And I was like, oh my God. I was like, I cannot believe it. But again, lean into it just so here's where it gets crazy so i'm like okay so my three times great grandfather died in 1881 the years that you're saying that is past it so can you find me the death record so i can actually see that yes so they bring it up they look at the book i have the gloves and everything and i said can you possibly translate this for me because it's all german script i mean back in the 1800s um, he was a um, innkeeper uh, here in Salzbach, and um, he was uh, uh, gestorben, so died in 1881 and all that stuff. And then his son was the one that signed off. So I was like, I already knew all that. I said, here's the thing. I need to know in Sush, like how far back it goes. So I'm looking for this book and I can't find it. And he's like, ah, yeah, that's um, probably the university. This guy from across the room, comes walking over and he goes in full German to the other guy, like talking. And I'm like, and again, my German's not great. <laughs> um, he's saying that um, he has the book. You've and got I, to be kidding. I'm not, <laughs> swear to God, Bill. I'm, I'm like, here we go again. I said, he has the book. He's like, um, yes. Um, he has on USB. Uh, would you like uh, him to email it to you? Swear to God. Yeah, Bill, I was prepared to go to the university, the Tsarbrook University, to check the book out just to see and write. And Lou was going to write by hand. He emails me this. And that's how I was about to, I got way back. I got way back because I got confirmation anyway that I got way back. But I mean, that again, in the middle of a records room in Tsarbrook in Germany, where I'm 
breaking through language barriers, still ancestry finds its way. Still the ancestors are like, we'll help you. Like You came all this way. <laughs> we're not going to let a little bit of mold stop us. No. And, and then the cemeteries were amazing. Like my three times, our three times great grandmother who was May Zeitz, they have this cathedral uh, gra gravestone where there's like 18 different graves in it. And so I was able to get, that was amazing to go on that side of the family and like put up gravestones in and stuff like that. So it was really worth it. Like researcher side of myself, really, really worth it. The part where I kicked in the soul work, a very hard transition, but I tried was there's a river that goes through the town of Solzbach. So Solzbach is where we finally left Germany. This is the last town that the cursed live in. And that's where I think the trauma lives. Right. And it obviously goes back, but in 1881, Johann Karl Kurst dies, right? And that's our three times great-grandfather. And they had so many kids. Two of them immigrated, right? Like, don't, you know, or no, uh, seven of the 10 immigrated or something. You know, a lot of them to the U.S. There was so much unsaid, like so much disconnect that I Un needed to reinsert. Unspoken. Unspoken. Yeah. And, and it was very typical of German. You know, we don't, we're not going to talk about how we feel. We're not going to say the things upset us or that dad died and we all have to now move and move our family to Chicago and all this kind of stuff. So um, I had to go to that river for some reason, before I left the trip, I was looking at photos of Solzbach and this picture of, of the church and the river. And I painted, I actually did a painting of it. Like I did a, that's where I knew I was going to put the stone. I just knew, like, I was like, it's going to be by the riverbed. And I connected with her grandpa who always wanted to know about his German past always. And I talked to him through the entire process. I was like, and yeah, I know he was guiding me for sure, but I put the stone into the soil, put the blood on the stone, right? Did the ritual of it. And I really wrote some poetry connected and told grandpa, like, you don't need to be sad anymore about this. You're home, right? The curse are home. We're connected. So anytime that I feel like the German part of myself, which is very researcher probably, that part of myself I can call on and I can say, I'm, I have home, I have a home. My home is still there, I'm connected, I'm threaded, I've got a stadium of ancestors, right? But if we go about our days feeling, you know, disconnected, you don't have to know everybody, but like, if you wanna know, just ask the question, right? They want to be of help. They want to be of service. They want to know that they're remembered. And that helps all of us. Yeah. Not just them. Yeah. <laughs> it's very, very moving. Um, <laughs> so there are four stones. Yes. Three of them are in Ireland and one of them in Germany or two and two? Three in Ireland, one in Germany. Okay. Dublin, Turles, because I couldn't put it in Johnstown, but it's close enough. And in uh, on the Kerry Coast and then in Solzbach, Germany. Okay. What was it like to to leave? I was to finish the pilgrimage. I mean, the good news was that I gave my some time. Some time I went to a friend in London, and I kind of reconnected with a friend so very slowly. So you didn't do like an immediate break. No, back to God, no. And that's important. Super important. To, the, to one of the things that, really. that I really wanted to do. I mean, the whole point of leaving your life and disconnecting and stripping down to the bolts is not to run back and like you know. And that's what was really important to me was. 
I need to integrate really slowly. And the way that I could do that was with a friend that I trust in London. I hadn't seen her in a while, but I took a train from Solarbrook and through Paris into London. And she has a very small flat and we just watched movies. We talked, we, you know, went out to eat, you know, just, but with one person, it's very important as you come back from a pilgrimage, you know, alone time is really important, you know, uh, gathering your thoughts. So she worked mostly. So like I got the apartment to myself alone and, wrote and even looked at her family history too. Like I was still kind of in that, but I was really important that I kept myself one person at a time. As part of the As a part of the integration is I had just spent three weeks by myself, trusting myself, trusting the ancestors. I wasn't going to go running back to look for a job like mm-hmm. instantly. And mm-hmm. when I came back to Seattle, I think leaving the airport was really, actually leaving Ireland was really tough. Like when you're taking off from Dublin mm-hmm. and I've done that it's really sad many times. Yeah. There is a grief mm-hmm. that is inexplicable mm-hmm. that we can't put words to. No. But when you are taking off and you're seeing those fields of green yeah. and you know how small the country is and you know, at some point the heights that you're, in the jetliner and the distance that you're going, eventually that green's going to pass behind you. Yeah. And then you've got the, the great wide open of the Atlantic ocean yeah. between home and, and home. And in that it's almost like the walk along the Kerry coast. Like it's the first time in my life I could look at my traveling. We always get so sad in airports. We always get, you know, I always, always get so sad at departures are really hard. I know that's ancestral. I know that's, and I know that's grainy related. I know it to the like line of where that comes from because grandfather with his parents dying so young and him being an orphan, like, of course. And and then his ancestry leaving home, like those things really affect us. They're Departure not- for eternity. Yeah. Is something that resides in the, in the genes. Yes. And it's that's, embedded. It's embedded. In the DNA, which is why I reintroduced the blood to the soil. Blood being DNA, it's so intertwined. I mean, everything on this earth is born, is born, dies, born, dies, but it's still there, right? So like when the blood goes into the soil, it's a communication to I'm still living. This DNA is still connected to the soil and it's going to connect from the people that have forgotten. Yeah, it's a completion. It's the complete circuit. Right? It's the we healing cycle. We complete the circuit. I was sad to leave, but at the same time, when I look at the departure, it's I, I still honor what they did because life got through. I'm here. I'm here because they did what they did, right? Like life got through because of their courage and like life's going to get through because my courage, my courage to take this pilgrimage to open the energy of the family soul is going to help people in our family to ask deep questions, ask soul work, like maybe not soul work, but they're going to ask their parents questions. They're going to say, you know, Brian just did this pilgrimage and I, I'm really fascinated by our, have you, do you know about this? Yeah. Like, and it's gonna, and, and we've seen that, right? Yes. Like we've seen that happen. And that was it's my whole happening. intent. It's still happening. So <clears throat> this is incredible. Um, <laughs> I would, I would love for you to, two things um, as we kind of wrap here. Mm-hmm. One is there's people that are probably still listening riveted. Yes. And they're probably thinking, they're at that stage where you were in 2007. Yeah. I.e., they've just opened up the Ancestry.com. They're just putting the tree together. Mm-hmm. What is your advice to them as they think about 
the same thing, the, ter the terror, how do yeah. I do this? How far do I take it? Yeah. What am I going to stumble upon? What questions do I ask my parents, mm -hmm. my grandparents, if they're still living, my mm -hmm. aunts and uncles? Mm -hmm. What are some of the first steps that you would recommend for people who want to take this journey and, mm -hmm. and, and make their own pilgrimage? Yeah. I would talk to the ancestors. Super important. What does that look like? Whatever you feel comfortable with, I, I you know, whether you, you know, alter, like candles, speak. I mean, it doesn't have to get so elaborate. I think speaking the names of these people, super important, right? We ignite energy in that. So when you're researching, for example, you're sitting in front of Ancestry.com, you find a new ancestor, you've triple confirmed it. It's there. Wow, right? The next thing that I would recommend is to have some sort of honoring. I have found you now. I say your name. I open the energy of that. I care to learn more. If you have any more for me, I'm open. It's going to be as simple as that. They just want to be acknowledged, right? It's the pilgrimage piece of it is you're, you're a foreigner. You're in a foreign place. You're foreign is going through the ancestry tree as well. Yeah. No idea about documents, all that stuff. Don't rush yourself. Keep it really... Um, you can get really far down a rabbit hole. <laughs> so researcher, balance it with the soul. Yeah. Keep it balanced. Reach out for help. Like reach out for resources to, you know, if you feel some sort of pull toward a certain ancestor, go toward it. Like narrow it in. It, you're going to narrow in and brought out and narrow in so many times. Spend some time there. It's okay. Like the process is never... Like there is no specific guidebook to any of this. It's not period. Weird. Like you can pull your tree and you can be a genealogist and you can do everything by the book. The part of the whole soul of it is that it has no, there is no book. There's like, you're going to be drawn to things. Let it draw you. Like right. sit with that, be with that kind of energy. Why do I keep stumbling on this answer? So it's weird. And then you're going to get outside your apartment. You're going to see a name. You're going to go, Oh my God. Some, I just saw some symbol, some sign. And the ancestors remind us every time through symbolization, through a name, a word, something you had just seen. Like Carl, when I, when I, Carl on the gravestone. I mean, <laughs> it's that magical. It's magic. It's, it's, it's love. Honestly, you're, it, you're tapping into a different type of love that is not from a verbal sense, not you can't see this ancestor not physical. It's a different love language. And it is such a powerful thing. It's also very beautiful. And it's um, not, you cannot like deplete it. It's undepletable. It's not, it, it's totally not possible. It's undepletable. It's undepletable. It's yeah. always there for me. Yeah. I, I can call on it in an instant and I can get so much reassert, like energy surge. They, they are my religion. It sounds, it sounds crazy, but you know, it's not a religion, but if people had a religion, if people have faith, my faith is the ancestors. It all feels like so boundless and so generative and gift giving and life giving. Mm -hmm. um, one last question for you. And yeah. then I would love for you to read some poetry oh, yeah. <laughs> from the book. Yeah. Um, so the question is, I guess, kind of a two parter. How do people get in touch with you? Yeah. As, as a, a pilgrimage walker. Yeah as a companion to this learning, because as you've described so beautifully, there's no book. Yeah. Now you're writing a book yes. and I can't wait for people to yeah, me too. <laughs> read the book because you've, you've, you've shared with us some of these really powerful stories. 
you hope the book will be out next year? Hopefully, possibly? yeah. I mean, I just got an editor, so we'll okay. see. Yeah, I might have too much material. I have to cut it down. There's a whole process that this is so foreign to me. This is so pilgrim to right. me. But, right, the book yeah. process yeah. is pilgrim. Yeah. Um, so how would people get in touch with you if they wanted to, yeah. if they were hearing this and saying, you know what, I'm going to sit down with my parent or my sibling or yeah. my aunt and uncle or my grandparent and start this conversation. And I want some companionship. Yeah. I, I want, I want a pilgrimage walker in yes. some sense. That's and a great, that's a great, I love that pilgrimage walker. I'm right how would they reach out to you? I mean, email would be the best. Okay. Um, be cursed at me.com. That's B K I R S T at me.com. Okay. Um, that's my main email. Okay. Um, that would be a great way. Cause then I can kind of get to know you. You can kind of tell me your intent, your, what's your pilgrimage look like? What, what do you want to achieve? I mean, even if you just want to talk about your ancestry too, I'm totally open to it. If you have ancestry questions, if you, it's totally open-ended soul, soul, anything like, and congratulations for reaching out too, if you yeah, do, because that's right. a huge step. Yeah. I think that's really important to name the fact mm -hmm. that people will take that um, action and that gesture. Yeah. Yeah. And one of the things that's really, to, you know, part of it is when you do take that first action, it's actually, in my opinion, in my very limited knowledge of this, it's actually your first whisper to an ancestor. Right. Yeah. And that whisper, it doesn't matter where you are in the world. It doesn't matter how many things are in the background and might, might seem noisy. Yeah. It will always be heard. Yeah. And it'll always be there and it will always find you. Right. It's not... I was in a vortex of noise. <laughs> I was in a hamster wheel. I was still doing the research. Couldn't quite tap the soul. The whisper was, but it was always there. The whisper was loud. I just enough. wasn't able to see it or right. hear it. Cause yeah. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't know what the language was. I mean, right? right. I didn't, I didn't know how to reach out or how to, I mean, there's follow the feeling. Yeah. Follow the soul. If, yeah. if that, you know, and I hope it leads many, yeah. I hope the feelings lead many people to your inbox, your, your book. Oh, yeah. and beyond so yes, be um, amazing <laughs> so yeah i would love for you to, to do a little bit of reading and share yes. with us um yeah. some poetry or a, a um you know or stanza or segment yeah um, that maybe would be good to close us out with i was thinking i'd start at the carry coast because that was the most amazing um so this poem that i did uh, on the carry coast april 21st 2019 i was just about to place the stone and do the blood on the you know it was right on the coastline it was beautiful so i was writing this in my actual like green kelly book journal that i had with me so i will begin it doesn't really have a title but <laughs> it begins like this on a grassy ledge between the pasture and the bay i'm greeted by the irish mountains they watch over this ledge they hold the history of this place i am a seeker on this journey seeking the knowledge of where we come from seeking the soul you attend to, longing to feel at home again. My longing is your longing. When you left your home, did you witness the bay retreat? Did you witness the pasture glowing green? How was your spirit? How was your soul? The wind is light today, a small breeze. I can hear you whisper. Speak to me. The words catch on each feather of wind across my ears. To my longing Munster soul, I long to hear your story. That record cannot recall. I skim the surface of my soul. A seagull dips lightly, touching the silted bay. The wind changes its temper. I think of you. I listen deep for you. 
your home between the pasture and the bay. That is so beautiful. Thank yeah. you, Brian, yes. for this incredible <laughs> You're welcome. space and time and recounting. Um, this is clearly a very, very personal journey for you. Yes. Um, I'm so glad to have been a part of it. I'm so glad people could listen to it and activate the whisper in them. And thank you for your time. Yeah, and absolutely. I'm very proud of you. Thank you. Her podcast is amazing. Thank you. And I wish you all the best. Thank you so much. You're welcome. All right. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed that story from Brian. If you're interested in reaching out to him, you can find him at his website at ancestrypilgrimage.com. Thanks for listening. <laughs>